Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order by using code PODCAST at the checkout. Just head to www.starnaapparel.co.uk. Welcome to a journey down memory lane that's sure to ignite your passion for the club we all adore. This is Walking Down the Hallbeath Road, the podcast that reunites us with the legends who once graced the pitch at East End Park. I'm your host, Mikey Mokkevich, and I invite you to lace up your virtual boots as we step onto the hallowed turf of Dunfermline Athletics history. This podcast is your ultimate destination for all things Dunfermline Athletic former players, and we'll be sitting down with the heroes who made our dreams come true scored unforgettable goals and carved their names into the hearts of us Pars supporters. Each episode will deep dive into the stories that shaped their careers from their early days to the highs and lows of football. From promotion battles to cup triumphs, these players have witnessed it all. And now they're ready to share these memories, the dressing room tales and all their insider insights with you. In this episode, I had the privilege of chatting to a real club legend. Not just as a player, but also as a manager. Bert Payton dreamed of playing for his boyhood heroes when growing up in the streets of Valleyfield, which he would then achieve in 1962 when he signed for Jock Steen's Scottish Cup winning heroes. He would then later win the Scottish Cup himself in 1968 and also become the club's record goalscorer in European football, which is a record that still stands to this day. He also achieved his lifelong ambition of one day managing the club, when in 1993 he replaced Jockey Scott as first team coach. Bert's period as manager would be one of the most successful in the club's recent history, including the iconic 1995-96 season, when the club won the first division title, which then followed a fifth place finish in the Premier League. So sit back, relax as we walk down the Hallbeath Road with the legend that is Bert Payton. Dunfermline were desperate for an equaliser and launched a strong raid down the right. The centre found Payton who flicked it past Robertson. So Bert, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be in your company as always. So how's, how's life? Doing fine. Good stuff, good stuff. Before we start, right, your shirt number and predominantly at your past time in your cup final was number eight. So I'm just going to ask you eight questions before we start. Okay. So who's your favourite current footballer? Current? In the world. De Bruyne, I think. Some of the Manchester City players are exceptional, eh? In the world. Oh, jeez, you've got to go for the big two. Either Ronaldo or Messi. They're the best that was gone, <laughs> up today anyway. 
Do you watch a lot of football on the TV? Yeah. Yeah. Still right into into the game. Oh, I will watch it quite a lot, don't I? In fact, we're lost when it's not on. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, with modern the sky and stuff, now, there's games on all the time, though, isn't there? So. I know. You, you could sit in your backside every weekend without moving. Yeah. You know? Brilliant. Right, next question. Your favourite song? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> there's there's one. I've got the record in the drawer actually. It's that old. What song is that? I love to boogie. I love to boogie. I don't know who it was. T Rex. T Rex. T Rex from the 70s. Oh. Brilliant. What's your favourite movie? Movie? What's that? Do you know watch films? No. No, it's not your thing. I've never seen a film since God knows when. I would know when the last. Was it the pictures? Brilliant. Right, number four. Your favourite holiday destination? Oh, that's easy. Benidorm. Benidorm. Uh, Not Magaluf for uh, no. the trips with, with Dick Benidorm. and all the boys? No. Too much drink then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question five. Do you, did you have any superstitions as a player or manager? No, really, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Nothing? No. Cool. What's your favourite meal? Favourite meal now is uh, pasta, really. Pasta. What kind of pasta do you like? Is just a tomato sauce for it? Or no, is there it's a certain it's type? Chicken and mushroom. Chicken and mushroom. Nice. <laughs> Good choice. Number seven. Who was the biggest influence in your career? Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> Probably with my wife. <laughs> Good choice. She's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Question eight. Who's your best friend in football? In football? Oh, I've quite a few actually. I wouldn't like to see any of them, but oh well Dick Dick and Pink. Yep. They're they're close anyway. They're big friends. All my other friends have died. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still close to Dick and Pink, aren't you? Yeah. You still talk to them all the time. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, we'll get started. So your early life, you were born in April 1942. A big, big family in Valleyfield. So tell us a little bit about your, your upbringing and growing up in Valleyfield. Well, uh, as you know, we were in Burn Street in High Valleyfield. It was a famous street in those days because they were all big families. Because there weren't any televisions in those days, so they had to do something. And uh, so I was very fortunate that I had older brothers, and uh, some of them were boxers, and some of them were football players. And so I was always brought up with sport, you know. So they were a big influence in me too, because obviously they were working by this time, and they were able to afford the football, which which was like gold in those days because nobody nobody had that kind of money. Uh, but fortunately, my older brother, he was working the pit and he always had a ball and he would always take us over the park and uh, play about with the ball. Even in, even in moonlight, we were running up and down the local junior park and the ball. And we were just saying off mic, obviously it's changed days now with kids. You don't see them down the parks no, playing football. Very seldom. It's all organised now because, you know, I think they're frightened to let the kids out of their sight nowadays. You know, if you just go to some of these schools that 
three o'clock and see them coming out. There's the cars, there's, there's many cars there waiting to take them. So they're missing out a big part of their life, really. That was yeah. that was half the fun. Yeah. And what's your early memories of playing football and, and watching football? And well, it was the juniors in Valleyfield. I used to rod sawdust the park. And those, when you'd done the lines in those days, it was sawdust. Right. You'd go down to the, the local sawmill and get bags of sawdust and, and line the park. So I helped all that. And in the, in the dressing room, they had a fire right in the middle of it, a, a brazier, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right in the middle of the dressing room. <laughs> to think about it now, it was staggering. And they used to always clean the boots and things like that, you know. And they see all the old boys playing, and that's when they were allowed to tackle, and by Jove, they used to tackle. Nah, he changed days, eh? Oh, jeez. What's your early memories of the pars as a, as a youngster? Did you go along uh, East End Park? My early memories was, uh, I can't remember what age I was, but I was there with my friend, and uh, we were shouting, it was, they were playing, I think it was, they were playing race rovers, and they were shouting, and uh, they had a big dirty centre half at that time, I think. He was, he was either with race rovers or Dunfell, and we were giving him a bit of abuse, and uh, we, got, we got chased away <laughs> to another end of the park. <laughs> That's, that was one of my early, early memories, but uh, I was never ever tamed to a game or anything like that, you know, that was, mm. you just had to make do. I suppose back then it was it's not like now it's it was more difficult probably to get from Valleyfield to Dunfermline it's not uh, like the well, public transport right. options now a big yeah you're right there because all I can remember was hitching lifts hitching lifts in those days people used to stop and give you a lift mm-hmm. but now you'd be frightened to do that because there's so many mob pots about <laughs> very true very true what was your um, pathway with, with playing football you joined Tully Allen, didn't you? I was, I was actually in the, working in the Valleyfield pit just a short time there, and uh, I was going into the work underground when I sat next to a, a player, a guy who played for Tully Allen, and he asked me, "What are you doing?" And I says, "I'm not doing nothing. Not playing with nobody." So he got me a, a, a trial, and then that led to. Going right to the final of the Scottish Juvenile Cup. What age were you at this point, Bert? Oh, I must have been 16 or something. Right. Yeah. And you're playing with full-grown adults. Yeah. And how did you cope with that at 16? Uh, well, it was all right, because all the boys around about you would help you, you know. If you were in any bar or somebody was bullying you or that, they would, they would sort them out. Mm-hmm. In those days, you know. And then round about that time, you're 16, 17... Uh, a Mr Jockstein well, approaches you and another club in England so tell us a little bit about that well what happened was I knew there was the Legionetti scout had been following my progress and he, they arranged for him the manager Legionetti at that time was a Jack Taylor and he was coming up from Leeds to my house in Valleyfield and Jockstein was coming out same, much the same time. And what happened was, Jockstein was called away, had, wasn't called away, but had gone away to a Hungarian was giving a talk down in England somewhere, Lullish Hall, I think it was at that time. And uh, so he sent out the scout, 
But when this manager came all the way up from Leeds, my, my dad would say, you owe that to that man, that man's really wanting you if he's coming all that. And he came up to my house in Marlowe, he was looking at me. <laughs> 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 uh, so then we went, I joined Leeds then, and uh, that, that was the start of it. What, what was that like at 17 years old, going down to Leeds well when you see the big family I come from they were glad to get me out of the house <laughs> <laughs> it was one that I to get fed <laughs> how did you travel down to Leeds in those days train train down on your own uh, well uh, that time Billy Bremner was there as a young boy and a boy called Ronnie Rafferty I think it was Ronnie Rafferty so Ronnie was older than Billy and I and uh, he had a car so he used to bring us up he was from Graysmouth, Falkirk Way. Billy was Stirling, and I was Dunfermline, so he dropped Billy and I in, in Falkirk. And uh, we got the buses, I, I got the Dunfermline bus, Billy got the Stirling bus. And uh, we met there come to, to go back away after getting a couple of days off or something mm. like that, you know. Made a couple of days to come all the way up. There were no motorways in those days. No, totally different, no. eh? What was your first impressions when you went down to, to Leeds? Obviously, it's a bit different from Valleyfield. Ah, well, I couldn't understand anybody. They couldn't understand me. It's uh, Joyce will tell you. <laughs> you know? So it was a bit strange. So I was more or less in a shell. You kept to yourself, you know? And you had all these young guys in the dressing room. They were, some of them, a bit loud and all that, you know? You were no part of it then, but... Gradually, when they seen you playing, they, they come round. Yeah, how big a club were Leeds at that point? They were in the second division at that time. They were they weren't doing that well, but uh, it was just uh, marking time to Don Revy took over as manager then, and from then on they just went from strength to strength. Mm -hmm. You know. You mentioned Billy Bremner earlier, mm -hmm. obviously a legend in Scottish football. What Billy. was he like? He was just like anybody else, Billy. You know, at that time he was an outside right, and he when he, he was staying, I was staying in digs in Leeds, and so was Billy, but not in the same digs. But then he went, he was when he went to, into digs with Revy. Right. Revy was a player then, so he got all the help in the world when Revy took over his manager. Of manager course, yeah. And they pushed him, but by Jove, it was worth it because. He, he went in the middle of the party and he was just a terrier, wasn't he? Done all right, didn't he? He had all the football, but he could handle himself. Yeah, I'm right in saying Jack Charlton was there as well. Right Jack Charlton point. was there too. Uh, <laughs> Jack, Jack was uh, a big figure then, you know, and they signed this boy for Falkirk, John McCall, I always remember this. John McCall. And John McCall was six foot two, six foot three, some of that, right, hard centre forward, those days were big boys, and, you know, and he was playing in the reserves at the time against the first team in the match, and I think John uh, uh, McCall was running, Charles had cut across him, took the ball up him, and McCall cracked his head, legs 
and Charlton can turn around and boot them. But Cole just dumped them. <laughs> Put his head in a few of Glasgow kiss. <laughs> and he went down and the manager was running the taxi and said, it was now, 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 boys, now, now, boys. It was a whole lot, a bowler hat kind of matter. Yeah. Like that, day, you know. Now, now, boys, now, now. But Big Charlton, he always said he was going to kick this one. He didn't get back up and tell you that. <laughs> and you wouldn't mess with Charlton as well. He was a, well, a hardy player, wasn't he? Aye, but he matched with my goal. Brilliant. Well, your first season down there, your top goal scorer in the reserves with 22 goals. So you must have settled in. It was reserves and third team. They had four teams then. Right. It was reserves and third team mainly. Uh, but what happened then was that was when the. The players in England voted to come out and strike to get the maximum wage abolished. And that's what happened then was uh, when that came into being, they all pruned their staffs. Right. So at Leeds United, they were, I think there was about 10 years, young guys had all been told to, they were getting freed, you know. And there were some good players among them. Yeah. It just some They needed the money to pay the big boys then because... Yeah. They were all wanting more money then, you see. Did you ever wonder what, what if you hadn't have been released, what might have happened down south? I think so, aye. I think so. You obviously see the way Leeds went on to, to big, big things. And probably in the end, I was probably no fast enough for to make it down there. But at the time, you weren't thinking about anything like that. And the game wasn't as fast as it is now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... And, and during your time at Leeds, you meet the, the good lady I mean, beside you. So tell us a little bit how, how all that, that happened. Well, me and the boy I was in digs, we were two years in this digs, boy Jeff Martin from Chesterfield, right? And we were at the dancing, into the dancing in the Leeds. What's the name of the Queen's Hall? Majestic. The Majestic. And uh, she caught a hood of me. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it first sight. No, no. <laughs> no, I couldn't actually understand what he said, and I think he said, "Would you like to go for a drink, or do you want to dance?" And then he couldn't dance. We didn't go for a drink. <laughs> too late. No, it was just orange juice. Coffee, was it? Yeah, coffee, and then that was, that was it. Just there. Mm-hmm. But to tell you a wee story, I took him home, mm-hmm. and. A few days later, my mum's talking to her next-door neighbour and she said, he seems a nice lad, but our Joyce, but we can't tell a word he says and he can't tell a word we said, but our Joyce was always good at foreign languages. Just a foreign language. Yeah, that's what she said. Oh, that was it. Superb. I got back up the road and she followed me then. That's it. And adopted Pfeiffer now. Oh, yeah. Well, she's been up here longer than you. Yeah. 16 years ago now. Crazy, yeah. Years since uh, we got married, and I think I'd just left school when I met you, hadn't I? I'd uh, left school in the, in the July or something, and I met him in the August. That's uh, it. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, it, was, it was good, I enjoyed my time there, no. I wish it had been different, but. Yeah. It turned out alright, though, didn't it? It turned out alright, aye. Well, what happened then was we, we went on holiday to Skegness. Uh, Butlins, and um, I've got a telegram there for his jokes team, was it? Saying, no, he's saying anything, don't do anything to speak to me, sort of thing. So he'd come after me when he knew I was freed. It just shows you, though, he was obviously monitoring the situation. He was 
Uh, on the pulse of that, eh? as soon well, as you got released. Well, they would have been told that I've rented to Leeds and they, they probably cheered or something like that. <laughs> 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 and that was just after the Pars had won the Scottish Cup in 61, was, wasn't it? I believe uh, uh, they won the Cup in April April 61. Yep. And uh, that's... That's right. You signed July I 61. Signed in July 61, that's right. Aye. So what was that like coming back up the road and signing for Dunfermline? Well, you had just won the cup, obviously. Aye. Uh, well, it was a good time to be with them, you know, but it was get, it was an elderly team that, you know, and they were, some of them had been great servants to the club, you know, and there was a good good bunch of boys there and passed it. There was always a good atmosphere at Dunfermline. I was always conscious of that. It was a good atmosphere. Mm -hmm. and that went right through the sixties. In fact, I would say that was part of the biggest success they had was uh, good players. Obviously, but you have to get on too. Yeah. You know, you look at Man U. Oh, bit of struggle on the now, aren't they? So that was it then. So when you initially got there, who was it that helped you settle in pretty quickly? Who were you close to? In the dressing room. At that time, funny, what happened then was they seemed to get a lot of local boys signing. You know, there was Ali Kevers, Paddy Walston at different times, and all the different boys. Jim Fraser, two <coughs> Calligans, John Lund, mm -hmm. Jimmy Thompson, Jackie Sinclair. Jackie Sinclair. And so they were all local boys, so it was a, a good time. That was something Steen was really strong on, though, wasn't ah, it? He wanted to he, bring the young local boys through. He did. He did. He was, a, he was a big... We used to call him the Fox. You know, he knew everything that was going on. And at that time, big joke. But he, he, he certainly pushed the young boys in. You know, two of them got a game. In those days, he, he very seldom went straight into the first team. You had to serve like an apprenticeship, you know, a couple of years or that before he... He was getting established, uh, but uh, Joko always gave them a chance. Aye, it worked out all right, didn't it? It worked out all right, yeah. Aye. I was, when I was doing my research, um, your first experience of European football was not long after that. You travelled to use Pest Doza, but you didn't play. I didn't play. So what was that like going... I, I'm guessing that would have been the first time you went abroad. It was, yeah. Aye, what was that experience it was, like? It was kind of scary because it was no long after a, there was an uprising in Hungary. Right. So there was soldiers at every corner at, at that time, you know. So uh, and the, the thing that sticks in my memory was the dressing room. The dressing room had 11 easy chairs in it. Right. One for each player. I've never ever seen that before. And the boys that played, they played well. I think it was 4-3 or something. Yeah, yeah it was a good game, aye. Uh, so that was a big game and then it was a big game when it came back to East End. Aye. Do you still remember that, the... I remember best doors again. some of it, aye. But uh, these were fantastic days then. Aye. The European ties were unbelievable. And one of the big benefits we got for them was, obviously we were all right through the 60s, we were going to different places. And every time you went there, it was you come back with a different story. So when you went to training, you didn't feel the training, you know, you're telling us the story, remember this, remember that. So the harmony was yeah. helped great for the harmony of that day, you know. It's like you said, that camaraderie and togetherness uh, throughout the decade, really. That, eh? That's what you need. I mean, you look at some of them now, they've got to have that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and then you made your debut March nineteen sixty two. Do you remember who you played in your debut? Yeah, tell us, go for it. Dundee. It was yeah, up at Dundee. Dens Park. I, I scored a lot. You did. So you scored on your debut. What was that feeling like? And that was the that was the year Dundee won the league. Aye, it was aye. Uh-huh. Aye, it was good, but it was Jokestein again. Jokestein, there were two or three years, maybe more, were free transfer players. And that's why the headline was, you know, Jokestein does it again. Uh, he just seemed to get the best out of players, you know. Say, Come on, you, you, you're better than what you're showing out there going. Let me see what's the real you, you know, sort of thing, you know. He's always working up here. Mm. What was he like, Jockstein? Was it? Would you say he was ahead of his time? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, him and Wally Waddles went to Italy to, to study the training methods because Italian football was big at that time. Mm. And he come back and says, I'm going to train for you. This will make you a better player than that. You wait and see. So he come back. It was all different drills, you know. But you guys wouldn't be familiar with that if nobody was doing it here. No. It was all new, wasn't it? I remember a, a, a reserve game. I think it was a, it was a league cup, a reserve league, and it was all young boys that played. And we went down to, to Kilmarnock, and it was the semi-finals. That we went down and we, we beat them 3 0 or something like that. And, and in the papers the next day, it was Jokestein. This is the way you work. Jokestein. And in the papers, I could have sold two or three more young boys last night. They were that good for big, for big good money from English clubs. And of course, you think, well, I wonder if it's one of me. And he were all thinking it's them, you know. It's clever, eh? He was, that's the way he worked, you know. He's shrewd, cooking. Big joke. And one of the big games during that time was the Valencia. Well, What's your rem- uh, memories of the Valencia ties? Well, I wasn't playing then, I was in the pool, obviously, but it was fantastic. I mean, they, they come back from 4 nothing down, but uh, on that night it was a freezing hard frost on the ground. And Big Joke's instruction to him was to get them, they didn't want to play, they would come out in scarves and their hats and tights and gloves. And uh, Big Joke's instruction was to get them doing that right away. <laughs> Again, they just switched on, eh? You could oh. tell that the Valencia players didn't fancy it, so they didn't, they didn't communicate to that to your players. They didn't want to know. Big joke just went boom, boom, boom. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, by 1964, he, he leaves to go to Hibs. That's right. What, what do you think would have happened if he'd stayed at Dunfermline? Uh, I'd probably be no longer there because. When when Willie Cunningham retired, Jock's team made him uh, manager of the reserves. Right. No manager, but coach of the reserves. And his first game was, uh, we were playing, I was in the reserves with Willie Callaghan and all the younger ones. And he said after the game, he accused me of no trying. And he accused Willie Callaghan of no trying, you see. And of course, I I tell him to where to go. I'm not like that at all. I've had bad games. There's a big difference between a bad game and no trying. Yeah. And anyway, he resigned that night. That's when the first team went away from him and the reserves played at him. And when Jokes came out, come back, he tell he, he resigned. Well, they couldn't help. And what happens then? Big Jokes shouts, "You and you in my office." And 
what's going on with us? And he says, we asked him if he could quiz me and he was trying and said, I just had a bad time. And we all had was saying the same, you know. And he said, you know that man resigned last night? I said, oh, well, that's his problem. But what happens then? Jock goes to Hibs. Wally Carnahan gets a job. Yeah. And who doesn't he get a game? <laughs> Fair. So did you struggle in the early point of Cunningham's tenure then? Probably just not getting a game? No, I didn't get a game. And I tell you what happened. I played in the reserves and I started scoring every week. And the first team hit a bad run. And he had to bring me back. And after he had brought me back, he couldn't do enough for me then. You know, I was the number one bloody player after that. <laughs> You know, and I could have been out the door because I'd, I'd asked for a transfer at the time, didn't I? I'm sure. Right, so in your mind you were ready to go, you thought, aye, they're not going to play me, so... They're not going to play me, you see. Aye. He held that against me, but, but then he got over that, and then I couldn't, he couldn't do enough. And the bonus is £20 a day, and not forgetting Bertie this time when I'm out injured. And not forgetting Bertie, who's giving me the bonus and everything, you know? Even though you weren't playing? Aye. And you were injured for the 65 Cup final, weren't you? You missed out oh, on that one. Yeah. I played a reserve game and it was a hard thrust and I felt my knee going. I felt something, I slipped on the, the ice or whatever it is and I felt something happened with my knee and it looked right. like that, you know. And the wee Edwards, Alec took me, he drove me up to Bridgier and the next morning I had to look in there. That's where the, the spot was, you know. Right. And, and they had to get a college out. And how long were you out for? Can you remember? Oh, no. Because injuries in those days, it's not like now where they get treatment straight away oh, and, and they're back quick. Different now. Totally different, eh? Ah, different. Was it, was it a first game game it walked? It was, was it not a cup game against East? Ah, it was a cup game against, uh, you're right, it was a cup game. But when it went, it was a reserve game. Yeah. And this was later on, played against... Uh, it was a cup game. Sterling or something like and that. It, and it locked on the field. Right? I said, oh, oh. And then they took me off. They subs in those days. Mm -hmm. And they, oh, I just remember on the table, and they're trying to get his legs straight, and they give me a quarter's one injection, which I didn't know. Yeah. And they straightened my leg, Andy Stevenson and the doctor. And they were that pleased at that. But when they did that, they, they tore the cartridge in half. And then they, they put bandage on and sent him back out to play. Because right. In those days, that's what you've done. Yeah, just get and on with it type mentality. The specialist said, Brazil says, who done that to you? I told him, he says, we'll never let him touch you again. And that's the club physio yeah. that was a trainer was, at the time. Well, it was, it was a guy, it was just Jokestein and Jimmy Stevenson. Yeah. At that time, it was Wally Cunningham and Jimmy Stevenson. Yeah. And that's what they had to do everything. You know, it was... Look at it now, they've all got their own bloody fuzzy, wasn't they? Ah, it's totally different, eh? Oh, jeez. We'll come to your, your other injuries later on, but a player who was in the in the squad at that time who went on to do okay in life is uh, Alex Ferguson. Oh, Fergie. So what's your memories of Fergie as a player? His goal-scoring record was phenomenal, wasn't it? Fergie, there's, there's only once Fergie scored an awful lot of goals when we had a hell of a run then, and uh, the team then were beating everybody. I scored an awful lot of goals and Fergie was getting a lot and what I can remember is Fergie's goals he only once scored with a goal from outside the box 80 yard box it was all poachers and heaters and great heater of ball and uh, poaching come, come back after the goal here anticipating a shot and 
and out and out poacher, that's, that was his strength. But he was a bit of a lad, <laughs> he was, he was feared in nothing, he was feared in no man. You know, and very, very uh, driven, you know. Mm-hmm. As you can see, his latter years. Aye, well that season you're talking about, 65-66, and the club scored 131 goals that, that season. You got 25 and Fergie got 39. Really? Which if you think of that nowadays, if that, you'd be away down to England and, and that, all big money. and uh, but that, that forward line then was, one of the best players was Jim Fleming. Mm-hmm. Jim Fleming was centre forward and Jim would drift to this side and that side and then leave holes for us to come through it, you know. Then we had us a chip in with Paddy Wilson, Shuey Robertson, great, great players then, mm-hmm. you know. It was a great team, eh? Uh, and then after Cunningham uh, decides to go, George Farm comes in. So what, what was your impressions of George Farm in the, in the early days when he first come, come in? Well, he had done all right. Ray Robbers was very comfy, eh? Aye, Ray, for you. Aye. But he, he, just, he just let us get on with it, you know, at that time, you know. I remember one game where we were playing as a system and then they come in at half-time and we were nothing doing this. He just used to say, well, what are you going to do then? He didn't say, you're bloody murder or anything like that. Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't very clever coach-wise. Yeah. He didn't do much at all. Was he a good man-manager, would you say? Because <clears throat> quite a few guys say he was quite an aloof character. He's, he's very abrupt with people. Right. Swearing all in front of women and everything. Right. Oh, he's another one, he loved me. Aye. Oh, I did. Because he got on with certain players, but not others, didn't he? No, <laughs> I remember uh, Roy Barrett was, uh, was wanting away at this time, you know, Roy was jamming his doors more than any, anything coming, anything happened, you see. And this day, Farm's in his wee office and he chopped the door. And he went to open the door and he hid behind him. And he went, boom! <laughs> <laughs> he said, it was really calling. He said, Oh Christ, I thought it was up. Barry again. Superb. The thing uh, is, when George Farm was there, the, the, the dressing room ran itself, didn't it? There were so oh, many he, leaders and characters. He inherited that team, didn't he? Aye. George. Yeah, fantastic uh, time that, scoring all the goals. In fact, I've seen a wee bit of one of the magazines about how many goals I got in so many games. You know, just a wee bit. I never realised that at the time. I scored so many goals. and so, not, not the total. I think that was that season, was it not? 65-66 in the magazine, now. Aye, 65-66 was a... See, during that time as a player, did you have opportunities to, to leave Dunfermline? Was, was other clubs interested in you? Not really. No, no not really. I mean, Dunfermline was a big team, mm-hmm. you know, we were one of the bigger teams. They should have won the league in 65. Yeah, we're so close, aren't we? Oh. Did they go down to the last game, maybe, or the last two games? I always remember that, uh, coming up to the end of the season, we says, uh, we're waiting on putting an extra money on, you know, as players do. And uh, they kept going on and on. Oh, but they never, ever changed it. They just left mm-hmm. the bonus as it was. I mean, if they did get that, we'd be left at the end, I think. I mean, we would have got me in one point, I think. So it was a big disappointment. But then, you know, we were never at the top four for, for I don't know how long. Three or four years, I think, aye. after that, aye. There were some good players then, though. You know, there were some good 
players. I was just looking at that heading towards the 68 Cup final and, and the players that uh, uh, the team picked itself, didn't it? Uh, 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 it was such a good, good it, team. It was, it was some good, good players. You look at them now: Jim Fraser, John Lund, Wally Callaghan, Roy Barry. You know, we all Edwards, Shea Robertson, Mark Gardner come in. We Ian Lister. And that's basically the '68 team. So Tint, Tint was there, I know. Aye, Ted Callaghan. Aye. So then '68, you get to play in a Scottish Cup final against Hearts. What's your memories of, of the, the cup run initially and then the, the game? The, the cup run, I, I can't remember the sequence of them, but I, I knew that we were favourites all along. No favourites, but we were Celtic and Rangers. One stayed out of the way, Hearts beat Rangers and uh, we beat Celtic, so we were very, very confident from then on that it was ours. And you just get that feeling, you know, you mm-hmm. know are doing well, you've got a good team. You just knew, when it got to the final itself, we knew Hertz would come out and kick us. They had the three big centre-halves right across the middle of the park. And they just started to kick us and kick us. And Jim Townsend, who was a good player, he was he was just going stupid. And he gave the fell away against me. He just let me go past and fuck me. And uh, uh, we scored off that goal. And then Crookie hammered and did, but the big Jordy Muller was against us, and there were two Andersons, I think it was, and they, they, they were big guys, and they just physical, physical, and they, we were just too good for them. It was quite a comfortable final for them, Fairman, yeah, was, wasn't uh, it? We scored all the goals, John, John scored a non game. He was another good player, John. John and we lost John Lennon, he was just young, wasn't he? He was oh, 31, ter- I think. Terrible time he had. And he it. passed away, aye. Terrible. What's oh. your memories of John? They call him Happy, didn't they? Happy. Happy or the Reverend. <laughs> he used to bounce when he walked. Right. He was up his toes, the Reverend, or he was always more than happy. But he would keep everybody going. He was a born comic, you know? Aye. <laughs> I'd heard a, a story that. Bill Shankly tried to take him to Liverpool. There was there was a lot of stories about about him at that time. He was he was a good player. We were the Henderson and them. They were the like playing against him. We Jackie Johnson because they beat they beat John, but John's back at them, you know. Right. He was quite quick. quick yeah. Captain Hall boy. He was quite a hard player, John. Oh, aye. Oh, was he? Aye, he could he could put it in. Not Super. a dirty player, but yeah. Play fair. Uh, so then the, go back to the cup final, with the whistle goes, we've won the cup. I know. And then... Where did I go? I went into the dressing room and got my two front teeth. Oh, did you? Aye. <laughs> and then when they let us back out. Aye, what's your memories of all the, the nonsense with obviously denying us parading the cup? I didn't see that until I got my teeth. I had to get my two front teeth to come back out and then we're always shouting at this big inspector coming <laughs> around they let us out because the year before... Rangers and Celtic in a League Cup final or something. That was when there was a riot. The horses and that would come on, mm-hmm. and it was because of that that they wouldn't let. They banned it. Ridiculous. Dumping in hearts, fifty-eight thousand or something. I said, "What trouble are they going to be?" The Hearts fans would be out the stadium the time we come out anyway. Probably were, yeah. It's nonsense. But uh, then the the good thing you come back to Dumping on High Street on the open top bus. What's your memories of, of being on the bus? <laughs> I don't know. I've not got very many to be I've not got 
the city chambers, isn't it? Aye, right down the high street to the city chambers, aye. Uh, and then I'm right in saying after that the club didn't organise no, anything, eh? No, nothing they organised. That was crazy because we got a fish and chips out of beef, didn't we? Yeah, on the way on home the way home to Kirkcaldy. On the way home to Kirkcaldy. Right. Uh, that must have been quite strange going home at a quiet house and you've just experienced oh, all yeah. that. You're on a high anyway, so... Ah, uh, it was silly. Aye. But how is it ever done that? I don't know. You want them nowadays, it'd be celebrating <sighs> for weeks. Of course. Maybe, do you think just back then they just took it for granted because we were so good and we were in Europe all the time? I and don't know what the, what it's a bit strange, yeah. It was. was. It was so a missed opportunity. Aye. Really. Still though, won the cup. And then that summer <coughs> we had a trip to America. Do you remember much about <laughs> going to America? Aye. It was supposed to be six weeks, I think it was supposed to be for something right. like that. And the, this is George Farm was the manager then, you see, and we, we were down to play Manchester City four times to promote football in, in uh, America. Mm -hmm. we, we must have set it back years because there were four draws, nothing, nothing, one month or something. So we must have set football back. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of games they were just, they were playing in a baseball match, a square or, or triangle. Or aye, aye. You know, Strange experience, eh? Aye, it was good, it was a good, good, great trip. I always remember we were playing the Greek Americans in the New York, and when the ball went above that height, it, it was a dog track day. Right. They had the, the lights for the dog track, that was the lights. And of course, when the boy went up, everybody stopped there, it comes back again. The boy's never coming back, did it? It was disappearing. Anyway, they beat us 2 nothing, And we got back to the Central America, and uh, George Farms, the bus draws up at our hotel. Farm comes up and says, right, says, you're getting an hour to get a drink, and to get a, some tea, and then get your effing beds, you see. And of course he goes off the bus and he stores away off the bus. Roy by stops us off. We are not, we are not. Says, hands up who's who's no one to come in tonight. And of course we and the students had to get us sat at the front door to get us up for the hour because we all stayed out. And then uh, what happens the next day, the directors were on the trip as well. They called a mean, you see. And they had probably got a sniffy of things when they gone right. And uh, they called a mean and they said, he wasn't there, farm wasn't there, it was just players. Mm -hmm. You see. And they said, oh, come on, what's, what's going wrong? Why is it like this? What's happening at the club? And uh, is it the manager? This is real Jack says, is it the manager? You want us to sack them? We make his two dumps and I sack the bee. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, I sack the bee. I'll let you two sit down. You make it. So that was the start of it then, you know, it never, I don't know, what year was that? That was 68. Well, that's, that's when Roy Barry then was unsettled. We Mickey was unsettled. And then, 69, <laughs> bad year. Aye, but just before that, the European football continues. Aye. 
So talking about European days with Dunfermline, you went on many trips. What games stand out out for you? Well, we're looking at the mugs the other day, weren't we? Uh, Have you seen the mugs? Nah, I've never seen them, no. Nah. No, we showed them later. Right. Finished, yeah. uh, uh, the ones I remember, uh, Saragossa. Saragossa, I was in a nightmare. And I mean a nightmare. And uh, I says, go and get the wing better. Stay out there. Stay out there. <laughs> so I'm out there. And I'm no at the ball. And then it's one nothing and it's I think Johnny missed a penalty that day, was it? It maybe was a man and it's nothing, nothing. Um, two minutes to go or something, we got a corner kick. And then said, get away the road, we make it out to take you the corner kick. So I went away and uh, to hide in the middle of it. And they got almost and the ball come over, went boom, and the back and the headlines, Peyton's a hero, Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that one, I remember scoring against Patrick Bruno. I always remember Alex Smith, and I was still there then for that game, must have been. And Fergie going to fight in the away leg against Patrick Bruno because Fergie wouldn't pass the ball, he was right, greedy, he was right. And Alex would do a with Fergie, the two of them started squaring up to one another. I'm stepping up to the front of the country and going to get saying that between. Uh, so I was part of Burnley, I think, that one. Mm. I, I can't remember much. I remember the French game, they were bloody French. Bordeaux. Aye. Aye. What happened then was, uh, one of the goals, I'm going the same time as the boy and, and scored, and the boy studs had went through my singular, and it, and it kind of went poisonous then. So wasn't they bothered about it? No, it wasn't known that it was poisonous at that time. Mm-hmm. They played Rovers, the race Rovers. And somebody said to me, no. Oh, he says, oh, you okay, get that sorted. And I went over to play in Bordeaux, there's a turn game. And uh, somebody says, look at your boots, Bert, look at your boot. It was covered in blood. Right. This was uh, poisoning, this, this injury I got. So they treated it in the airport, they treated it when I come back to East End, they says, right, jump up my table, and uh, this is before I went with him to Kakodi, and I'm up on the table, and oh, looking at that, oh, you better go down to the hospital tomorrow, and uh, he gave me a jag, this is Dr. Earley's, and he says, right, I said, away you go, go down to the hospital tomorrow, we've got you checked in, and I came off the table and bloody collapsed. I'm allergic to penicillin. Ah, right. And you didn't know. And that comes round, he's flat, flat my face. He says, Oh, thank God for that. He says, I thought I'd lost you. This is a bloody doctor. I said, I'm going to do the hospital and they wouldn't let me out for a week. Fortnight. Was Scary. Night, was it? Mm-hmm. Ah, Scary, aye. The poison goes to the bone. Seriously. Again, nowadays that just would never happen with the medical treatment no, you no, would get at a football not, club, eh? Not at all, no. There's a big difference nowadays. We are Flow Digital Pharmacy and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Holbeath Road podcast. Our easy to use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. 
If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at WeAreFlow, spelled P-H-L-O, that's WeAreFlow.com. It's the same when, when I broke my leg, and I broke my leg. And it was coming back for that was nothing but a nightmare. From from then on, really, that yeah. that really finished me. Because anything I tried after that was was it was half half of what I should have been, you know. And I'm I'm struggling to get back. Roy Barry's broke his leg, but he's becoming to me now. He's telling me the two guys we him all day at Coventry. It was named to be me. In fact, I'll show you photos of me lifting weights on to Jimmy, Jimmy Brown, who was in plaster at the same time as me. In the gym, that was us looking after us. The rest of the way training. So you were just left? We were just left. No rehab as anyway, such. I'm, I'm struggling to get back. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this was, uh, this is, I'm getting a lot of pain, a bit. You've got to get over this. It's all psychological, way, you see. So I'm running up and doing the tennis that was at that time and kicking a ball against the post and doing all things to try and get going mm-hmm. again. I was getting a lot of pain. I said, I want to see the... I kept on him. I said, I want to see the specialist. And I went to the hospital to see him. I can't remember. Campbell, what was Patterson. Patterson. And he went up, up the table. But he put his hand on the brake and he said, oh, just as we thought better, it's no mending. We'll have to give you a bone graft. So then that's another, I don't know how many weeks in plaster, 24. You, you're about 26, 27 at this 27. point. Aye. They took bone from there and made a banana skin. It's like a banana skin during the break, right? And then when I come back, I was playing a reserve game and I can remember that one of the young boys gave me a bad bone. I tried to retrieve it and it broke an inch below the bone graft. And they were bloody pleased that I was in those ball because I'd, the graft had held, you see. But I said, Christ, they were, they were quite happy with it. But, but, but it was nearly the same, you know. It was Going by the research, you broke it the first time, December 69, against Dundee United. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then you but broke it again at Easter Road, November 71. Was that where it was? By this point, you'd made 221 appearances for the club and 88 goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and seven of which were in Europe. You're the record goal scorer, aren't you, for the club in I, Europe? I was done a long time. Wasn't it? I think I think you're safe there. Yeah. Done <laughs> longer than me. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any goals that stand out for you? The European ones. Uh, just any goals at all. Any goals. What about the one that I broke? <laughs> <laughs> I think you mentioned that at the captain's brunch, didn't you? Aye. No, at least mentioned. Oh, aye, at least mentioned it. Aye. Uh, We'd beat them at Ibrox, didn't we? Oh, we You'd beat scored them two, two years in a row. Aye. We've only played them twice in these days. You know, we beat them two years in a row at Ibrox. I, mean, I remember the goal there, it was just one of these ones that you just hit and it flies in the top corner. <laughs> uh, we've actually, one of the, the supporters who's asked a question, Donald Adamson, he's. Donald, uh, I'm going to tell you what he's talking about. Go on he's then. the only one that ever brings it up. He's the only man that remembers it, and that was probably one of the best goals I've ever scored. Do you remember what game it was? Yes. Go for it. Aye. Uh, 6 nothing. Aye. Wraith Rovers, 6 now. 
on the 1st of January 68 that's right so you still remember that goal yes Be- beating five players and then putting it into the side of the net <laughs> and the goalkeeper was one of them and he got up and applauded it Both superb <laughs> brilliant well, wouldn't mind beating Rafe Rovers 6-0 these days but I know well, it's a bit tricky I wish you Rovers had scored the other three so was it two hat-tricks uh-huh. he was amazing a he, he, he made a lot of opens for us you know who, who else you've mentioned obviously a few names during your time at Dunfermline who else were key players that maybe don't get the credit that they, they deserve well uh, there was always players like that I think I was a bit like that myself I think at times but uh, it's that type of player that you know players appreciate but and fans didn't see the same they've all got their favourites you know you know what it's like but you're obviously training with these guys day in day out, so you're seeing what they they can do. Aren't oh, you? they're good players. They're, they're all good in their, their positions, as you said earlier. About that team picked itself. It did, and they they have good times. They pick itself. You know, we must be hard being a a sub in those days because you look at on the park. And ra- wrapping up, just before we wrap up on your time as a player, Don Fairman. One of the European games I wanted to ask you was the Slovan Bratislava. The club were so close to getting to a final, weren't they? Yeah. What's your memories of, they were, of that? They were a good team. They were international players, weren't they? They were a very good team. My, my, my recollection is a hard game at East End, but going over there, we were playing first half, we were playing, and they said, this guy, one of their inside men, Joko, I think it was Joko was his name, he was kicking everything, buddy, it moved. Dirty so and so, you know, he was dead. He was getting away with murder. And uh, just as we came out of the second half, we had got the ball to centre it. Paddy centre it. I, I turned around, plays it back there. And out the corner of my eye, I'd seen this guy, Jokos, coming today, you know. So I just turned around and went, And he was just running past. <laughs> and all I heard was, oh, <laughs> and when I tell you, it stopped, that was a wee up there, and then we were just looking at my arms. I thought he was going in deep. So being a Mali boy, he's here. But Slovan, did they not go on to beat Barcelona in the final that year, didn't they? I'm not I think sure. They, I think they won the trophy. Did they? I think they won the Cup Winners' Cup. They were good team, though. They were full of international players. Because Roy mentions that's a probably his biggest regret at his time at Dunfermline he felt the club were capable of getting to the final and winning it they were a good team at that time and then you're about to leave Dunfermline any other games that stand out for you during your your spell at the club as a player a few really obviously the ones where you score a wee bit sweeter Norton Kilmarnock half a top of the league that year at East End scored a good goal then I think that was the game. Was there 19,000, I think, at that game? The Kilmarnock no, one. No, I think that was the cup. Time. Was that a cup game? Well, that was another goal. <laughs> Aye, that, we beat them in that game, didn't Aye. we? They had Jackie McGrory and Frank Beatty double set halves. Big. And there was me and Fergie. And we used to hit some battle with eight two at the time, you see. So anyway, the ball comes swinging. This is a cup. No, no, no. They, they scored first, Jackie, Jackie McAnally. Broke away and scored. We're doing one of them, doing so. The ball comes in the box like that, and Frank beat his tight with me all the time. So he's on the back like that, you see. 
So I just got my own laugh. And Duke came with me. And they said, boy, well, you know, who turned this up? You know, I said, man, I've done heaps of left on me all again, man. And if I remember right, the bloody he got me in the end for an ankle injury. And I Frank Beatty, we had a good laugh with them too at the same time. But, you know, it was a give and take with eight, eight guys. And I remember that one, that was the cup we beat, we had just scored the second goal. Aye, right, it was a not at the death of the game, it was like the last minute maybe. No, was it not? It was as long as that, but he, he definitely got the second goal. We Aye. I remember that. Who did you enjoy playing against? Well, I always seemed to score against the Rovers, uh, Hearts, Aberdeen. I think I scored a, a goal against every team in the Premier League at that time. Aye. And who, who was your toughest opponent? The toughest opponent was a guy that played for uh, Hibs. He was a Scandinavian and he was a centre half and he'd followed me all over the place. He followed me all over the place. And I used to talk to the Hibs boys and look later, chances speaking to one of them. He said, You know this, Bert, you're the only guy I can play against. He said, It's funny what this. But he just kept coming with me and he stopped me playing all the time. <laughs> I can remember he had a bloody his crew cut. Aye. Uh, it was a Scandinavian Denmark and one of them. Couldn't they shake him off? Playing for Hibs. Could not. He <laughs> just stuck to the right glue. Uh, what was your favourite ground to play at? Probably East End. I East think. End, aye. Aye. What's your memories of the, the old East End with the, the stairs? The stress rooms ah, in the main yeah, stand. I remember and that game we, we played against Celtic, that game where they were, I think it was that one, where they were up, up the tiger pole and all that. Aye, ah, it was, aye, just after the ah, cup win. Well, when Jokestein was at Dunferman, Jokestein would never let Dunferman out until the way team went out. Because psychologically, when they come out and then we come out, our supporters are, you see, so psychologically, that's a big joke. So, when Big Joe landed back at Parkhead, which is, was, I can't remember who the referee was, uh, it's them first, Mr. Referee. And the referee went in Joe and he said, no, no, it's them first. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first time the two of them come down the stairs together. Right. They had to come out at the same time. Aye, aye. Aye. Big Joe, Big Willie had sussed this, we all knew that day. And they say, no, we're not going to, well, they're not going to, and the was beginning to panic. Right, that, that game you're talking about, though, with the fans on the floodlights and on the roofs, well, that, that must have been really scary seeing oh, that. It was horrible. I always remember that because we, we, we either Celtic scored or we scored, and they all come on the park again, you see. So Paddy and I start in the centre circle waiting to start the game, and in a row all the place, and here this wee bloody woman comes out. With a kid on each hand, she had a trousers on we were tucking the wellies and a coat. And she said, Where's Jimmy Johnson? Paddy says, Get off She said, Where's Jay? And she went away looking for Jimmy Johnson with these two kids. Crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and, and coming down to the end of the bloody enclosure, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that climbed down this. Aye, aye. Jesus, that could have come through any time, eh? That's when I decided to stop it. Aye. Because there's pictures of George Farman and Jock Steen on the pitch telling fans to come down, eh? They killed, I think, didn't 
Sunday came. Aye. 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 You only played five games. Ah, that was enough. I tell you why I played only five games. I was playing away uh, one of the games, maybe, maybe the fifth game you talk about, and they had this right back playing for Berwick, and we used to laugh about him because he was bloody open. You know, he couldn't kicks off his boots and that. And anyway, I was playing away, and I hear this guy shouting at me. I'm saying, and honestly, it was like a bolt from above. Come on, dude, he's bare. If he's shouting at you, you must be plenty bad. <laughs> and that was it. I went out. That was it. I the last game I played. Was it quite an easy decision? You just, you just I, knew. It was, I'm and done. This boy was shouting at me. It was, ah, aye, aye. it was like a bolt in the blue. I couldn't get it clear. <laughs> uh, that was the last recollection of playing. And you were 27 at this point, weren't you? 27. So what was that like from one day being a footballer to well, then not being a footballer? <laughs> so you had known. I know. Well, uh, it was a, it wasn't a nice time. At that point, were you? did you want to go into coaching? Were you thinking well, about staying in the game? I had gone down to Largs with a ball and a, a string trying to get this leg going. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was for going through the coaching courses. I went through that. They got some certificate, but I didn't complete them because uh, the circumstances, you know. But to finish up, it was, I don't know what we done then, did we? Did we buy a shop? Yeah. According, according to my research, you were a car salesman at one point and a grocer right, before right. you opened the pub in Recife, eh? Uh, that, it, it was a shop first. Next right. Door, was that guy's next door? It was right. Laidlaw's then. Right. Uh, he didn't want me to leave, but we had bought the shop. But uh, you worked with Mother's Pride before that. Oh, aye, my pal. Four o'clock in the morning. Driving the lorries. Right. Breed deliveries. Uh, that was my pal for Cocconi uh, Peter Rogers got me into there. And that was a, when I went for an interview, I had a caliper on my leg. You see? And the boys. Going about this caliper, and I was getting annoyed at him because I said, Don't you worry about that? I said, Oh, you're not ready that in so, so many weeks. And anyway, Pete must have had a bit of influence and he got me the job. But I was saying, You're a caliper, but they're doing. Did you have issues with your injuries for a long time after football? Oh, if you get it has now. Still it has now. now yeah. uh, going back to football, so you start, George Farm takes you to Rafe Rovers, doesn't he? 74. Uh, How did that come about? Uh, I think I went to Rosyth first, didn't I? No. No, no, that was no. before Dunfermline, I think. Mm-hmm. Before Dunfermline came. I, I was uh, to Ligelli Albert, that's where right. I was. I went there and driving a cup to, and then George Farm came and asked me to come back to him to coach. And so I went, um, and things weren't going that well. And uh, I think we come in for me, Cow Beast, to be the manager. So, I left and went to Cowdenbeath and I took my assistant with me, it was Bob McTavish. And we had a great, I think it was six weeks I was at Cowdenbeath. I think it was unbeaten. And anyway, uh, the Rovers come sacked farm 
I said to him all the time, Shoggy found uh, George a fortnight to last. He didn't last a fortnight. <sighs> he got him out the door and they come back for me. And that was the worst move I made in football because it just didn't happen, you know. And then the, the end they said, this is the Rovers are now at Rovers with my assistant. And they said to me, we're playing against Fergie. Fergie was with some man at that time. And they were beating everybody, but they just got through against us. And then, anyway, they, they said that we'll hate to sack your second command, Bert. We're, we're economising and all that. I said, no, no. I said, he's mine. I said, get somebody else. You use somebody else. And they hummed and hawed. This was at a board meeting. I said, if you don't sack that man, put reinstatement manager. But in between, this is a funny one, because in between, I had dropped the star man in this, this game, this Saturday. And the, the sun shined out his backside for the chairman and all that, you see. So anyway, I, I dropped him. And I had a, I had a, a problem doing it, you know, so I was friendly with Eddie Turnbull. So I phoned Eddie and said, what would you do, Eddie? He said, if you think it's right, I'd do it. So I done it, I dropped him. And I brought in a young boy, right? And so when we were coming away from the game, I gave him a second in command his wages, and then it was his P45 or P4, whatever it was then. And, I, and they told him about the board meeting, like about him wanting them out. And I said, oh, give me that, I'll sort that. And I went in the board meeting the Monday. I said, you really stay that man now, and I'm out that door. And they hummed and hummed and I said, right, I'm off. I said, no, one thing, you will never have a key here as long as you interfere. I went out the door. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that was, was that when we had a shop then? We had a shop then, aye. Right. Aye. So I went and was working with the shop and then we turned that into a pub. And then Alec Dalton come for me, eh? Mm-hmm. But in between, I'd been with the Hearts for some... Ah, you had a few years at Hearts, didn't you, aye. as a coach? That was uh, a good pal of mine, John Haggart. He, he was there. I was there with a coach with him and uh, with Johnny Hamilton. What were you like in the early days as a, a coach manager? Not very good, I don't think. <laughs> were you kind of just learning as you were going? or Did you oh. take inspiration from previous coaches you had worked oh, with? Yeah, you do. Because yeah. oh. at, at that point, were you obviously your own man you, or were you, you just copying other people? or No, you try you to approach create it? Well, the good things that you went through. You mm-hmm. try to create them. You always try to to create a good team spirit and we used to, Dick and I would go and, what you talk about management, Dick and I would go and interview anybody we were going to sign and all that. I remember we were signing one big boy up at Dundee and he said, you couldn't afford me. We were sitting in the car and I said, right Dick, let's go. That was it. Aye. He's obviously made interested in money. Aye. Know what we want, is it? We'll come back to Dick, but uh, go back to Alex Totten, who you played with Dunfermline. Uh, uh, well, go- I was in the we had changed the pub then, eh? By the time Alex Totten had come through. So. Yeah. so you start off at Dumbarton with Alex, don't you? Before going to St well, Johnson. Aye, Alex was a player at Dunfermline too, forgot about him. And uh, so we were very friendly. And he phoned me up, he got the Dumbarton job. I think he had just left Rangers. And he got a bad job come through, so I was staying out at Gaukau then, so we went to Dumbarton and we had a great time. I mean, we were in Dunfermline really close to getting promotion, 
but we had gone to a, a game in the winter and it was a really cold, nasty night. Uh, it was St. Johnston were playing Cowden Beat and uh, Jeff Brun had in Tierney St. Johnston had seen us at this game and said they two must be really keen if they're out in a night like this. And that's how I like what I do. And of course they took me away. Mm-hmm. We had a great spell there. We all the moon. Aye, who you worked with later on, aye. Only Coyle, Gary Thompson, all the boys, good, good, great boys. The one you know and the one you don't. St. Johnson again, really successful time, eh? You get promotions. I had a a great time up there. We had a great bunch of boys today. There was some stories about that. Was it two promotions in three seasons, I think? It was was really a great time. We had some good players today. we got into the Premier League and we were doing well there. I mean, we beating Aberdeen 5 nothing at home. Games like that, you know, great. Bagagi who had the fight with him as soon as Bagagi, the tea lady. Oh, yeah. Were uh, you there when that happened? Oh, it's quite a famous story, yeah. Uh, oh, Bagagi. She, she, I love Bagagi. She was great. She used to say, <laughs> she says, Always go back and you know, I'll go in for the tea room to Maggie and she'd always make a cup of tea and biscuit and that. This day I'm going to fail this time and I go back and, and uh, they had been having quite a bad time then St. Johnson's one they did that well, you see. And uh, I said to her, hey Huggy, you've seen a few manners away here. How many is that now? She went this, looked round to the present manager says, 12 going on 30. <laughs> <laughs> As you see, like, you know, she was great. Superb, eh? It's people like that you need behind the scenes in football, oh, eh? Without a doubt. I mean, you, we, we more. Aye, exactly, we, yeah. We more is invaluable there. The players love him. 30 know. years he's been there now. And of course, it was me who brought him in. Aye, exactly, yeah. And so he's, you need the guys. So you're saying you need them. You know, they're doing so much. Work that's unseen behind the scenes and that. Exactly, you, yeah. You watch all the players that's been at the Helen, they always come back to see Mo. They do, aye. Uh, they love them. Mo, Mo would keep them going, he slagged them and, and, you know, tell them the truth. But, uh, Plenty of banter, though, eh? Aye. So, what did you do after that then? You, you, you were involved, I think, at Recife for a wee bit, weren't you? I was involved at Recife with Dick. And then you started working at C.R. Smith, is that right? Aye, Pinky was a job at C.R. We were the highest, no, the lowest paid YTS boys in town <laughs> at that time. Unfortunately, the Dunfermline job came up, I don't know who it was, it was... Jockey Scott had just been... Oh, Jockey, it was Jockey, aye. Sacked, aye. Aye, they come up and got an interview that way. I said, it's time they got somebody that had a bit of fuel for the club. But, yeah. You know? And I was reading you, the, the three shortlisted was Murdo McLeod, yourself and Alex Totten for the Dunfermline job and you got it, aye. Uh-huh. So you got one back on the, your old pal Totten uh-huh. for that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was the 10th of June 1993 and at the time I was reading uh-huh. uh, in my research, it was a lifelong ambition. You had said a long time before that uh-huh. you wanted to manage Dunfermline one day. Uh-huh. And he said, I can promise two things. We'll not fail through lack of effort. And I only want people to play for Dunfermline who want to play for Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. So you set your stall out early, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You're mentioning, obviously, the guy in Dundee for the money situation. Uh, right away, no interest. Uh, 
So what was it like going to Dunfermline in the early days as a manager? So the club was in a bit of upheaval, wasn't it? Uh, the club, the club was. I don't know if that. It was. Uh, it was hard to say, but they made it plain there was no money, like. Mm-hmm. So you had to make a lot of cuts, didn't you? At that time, at that time, I said, "I'm just get on with it. I'm not bothered me. I'm going to work with what I've got here." Uh, uh, one of your former players actually had sent me a message, Derek Lang. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he had said, um, Do you remember when you and Dick took the boys up to play Forfar and Peterhead in your first pre season up north? You took the boys up there and he said, um, Do you remember what happened when you, you guys said to the boys they could go out the Saturday night and have a few beers? No. I think there was a bit of nonsense. And he was saying Norrie had cleaned out the club tab by getting room service. (laughs) 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 But what Derek was was saying was that first season, obviously there was difficulties at the club, but you guys turned it around pretty quickly. So how did you you manage to do that? Well, we we felt everybody was off his serious when we got in there, you know. There was a, a doom and gloom about the place. Don't like to say much about his previous miser because he's, he's quite a friend now. And that's what happens in football sometimes, it goes through, sometimes it doesn't. It was just mainly that, just get a smile on your face. He says, you know how bloody lucky these are and all this kind of thing, you know. There's quite a famous quote you said, if you're not happy playing for us, get your overalls on. I don't know, I'm C.R. Smith's overalls. Hang on. <laughs> Says if you're not happy, you can bloody get a or get a job up there, and they bother. And then they took us up. <laughs> <laughs> and it was McGeevo. McGeevo had a decision to make about his uh, national service. You know, we hung an army jacket out there. Said, "Was it to me, Revo? If he didn't sign for a club, he had to go and do his service." Yeah. Really, something like that. And anyway, <laughs> he, he took the message. You mentioned Evo there. During your time as manager at Dunfermline, you had a great eye for a player. You like the club recruited really well, and there's Evo was one of them. What was what was Evo like for you as a player? He was a big gangly outside right when I when I seen him up in uh, Montrose. He was with at that time, and he, he developed into a, a very good defender. But after that, you know, but. He was a big character, you know, and he was typical Dutch, which which was all right because he took to the boys or took to him. And no, he's a popular guy, yeah. Ah, he's very popular, you know. Big evil. Said it once. Talking, I was getting on to him in that team meeting or sort of half time meeting, and we had signed the boy for Iceland, I think it was or Finland. It's a big centre half. Aye, he's a defender. Aye. And I'm, I was trying to get through to him and I turned to Eva and said, for Christ's sake, Eva, talk to him and let him know. He says, Gaffer, he says, he is from Finland, I'm from Holland. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I cannot tell. <laughs> I think it was R- Rissanen, Kai Rissanen or something, right, Kari Rissanen. Aye, that was him. So 93-94 and 94-95 we were so close to promotion. 94-95 got to the playoffs. Oh, How frustrating was that? It was two seasons we were really close, eh? Oh, I remember that all the time because that day, McKimmy had been booked and he 
it drew you all down in the box, Stonewall Bentley and the way they on. It was a, I think it was this doctor that was a referee at that time. Larry Holmes he was. And that was that was a big, big uh, part of them you know, beating us, you know, they went up and scored again and but uh, it was a good time to be but they kept changing the rules, didn't they? Aye, they did. They kept was it? They kept, did they not change it? Ninety three, ninety four. You got you started getting three points for a win after that. Even though we were the highest scorers in Britain, we had one more games than That's was it Wraith or Falkirk, and we didn't win the league. It was just bizarre. Aye. Uh, well, it was frustrating. I mean, it was the next again year and all. It didn't look the same. But uh, what can you do? I know. Just going with it. Eh? During during your time, the early days, the media were really critical of Dunfermline, weren't they? Oh, I oh, Did you, do you and Dick use that as motivation to? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Keith Jackson, that was him. Keith, Keith Jackson, aye. Yeah. Who's that? There was one that the reporter that you called out when you beat Dundee United. Oh, I love that. Keith Jackson. Uh, yeah. Before that, when the, we, we started away, we got beat for the first four games. Aye, you had a tough know, start, aye. That we say, Glasgow phoned the chairman and says, Would you thinking about replacing your management team with Mr. Leithman? What was his name? Hugh Keevans. Hugh Keevans, yeah. And he's he's ready to spread a cloud or something like that. And then we went through and did the press and the end and that guy's walking through and here he's standing with his right one. Jesus. Don't you ever come back here when you go that door? And Dick says, ah, that goes for me too. Dick man with a big man behind me. We didn't know if this mic was on or not. <laughs> <laughs> I need him a mystery. You mentioned Dick, Dick Campbell there. How, how important was Dick Campbell? How? How important was Dick oh, Campbell big, for you? Big. Dick, Dick was brilliant with the, with the players. He still is. He was just all, I love him. But he used to wind them all up and tell the stories. And, and great with them. Great training with them, you know. He was always game for a laugh and he was used to slap on the back head and get a smile on your face and, you know, very good, very good with the players. Yeah. And it's showing now how long he's lasted in the game. Ah, he's still doing amazing, isn't he? Aye. Uh, season 95, 96, I want to cover because that was such an iconic season uh, for the club. Uh, early on, there was a lot of pressure on trying to get promotion. And we lost Jackie McNamara to Celtic in October, oh, who was probably our best player at that point, just a young boy. What what was that period like losing that losing was, Jackie? That was uh, uh, I was annoyed at that because they, they gave him away. You know, I, I always remember there was two young fullbacks in Scotland, and Jackie was away ahead of this other one, and this other one went to. He went to Bolton, I think it was, I Bolton. That was Mac and Espy for the Rovers. He went for 900,000. Mm -hmm. And they were set, settling, they were, you know, they gave Jack away for 600,000, whatever it was, 650,000. And I knew the Bolton scout, and he said, I'm not saying that, but it wasn't me that done it. He said it was the manager who came up and seen Mac and Espy at Park Hayden, 900,000 for him. And he couldn't lay his jacket's boots. Mm -hmm. And they said, because of the position the club were in, yep. you know, lack, lack of money, 
That's uh, to me, they sold them too cheap. Aye, definitely. The club it was on a shoestring budget at that point. Dick goes on about the smart price cheese and. <laughs> Paul DeMello had it running on Second a tight day, budget. Second day bread, <laughs> toast. Uh, <laughs> but then that that season again, come the January, we lost Big Norrie, which was another massive. Oh, that was a disaster, huh? Aye, so your memories of that that period. The one thing I'll never ever forget is the, the game back after the funeral, and, and we had got ourselves together again. Mm-hmm. I remember that game for over all the days. It was a Clyde we Bank game, wasn't it? Yeah, right. It was, I think. Did we go 3 0 then? No, we went 3 0 up and then it went to 3 each. Went to and three. then we won 4 3. Craig yeah, Robertson. Craig Robertson scored the good. Aye, well, that was a terrible time, really, because he was a. As everybody knows, it was a big, big loss in the dressing room and, and all run about the town. Really. Aye. He was. Such a good big character, and he was such a vital player for us. You know, to, to lose him, it was horrible. It was a horrible time. You see the reaction of the fans outside, and the flowers and all that. It pulled everyone together, though, didn't it? The whole town got behind the club. Aye. At that point, we really went for the oh, promotion. Popular. We only had pubs in the, in the town, you know, and it was very popular. It was a good. Great big guy, and he was, he was a player and a half in the park. I mean, he was never beat, you know. Big inspiration to the rest of them. He's, he's always said, Come on, if you don't want to wear the jersey, don't go out here. What was he used to say? You don't want to play for the jersey. Stay in the dressing room. Aye, aye. To say that to them. But he was such a big boy, too, and he, was, he said that presence about him, you know, that, that big. Personality, have uh, it wasn't nice. The funeral was horrible, wasn't it? Aye, it was a tough period, eh? Oh, but the players they stuck together, didn't they? And then they did. They gave them a cause then to to do it for Norrie, you know. So they we kind of used that bit, but uh, aye, bad time, eh? Aye, anything like that happens at a football club. You seen what happened? But then April '96. Game wanted to talk about Tannadice. All the media had said okay. the orange ribbons are on that trophy. Aye. We were right up against it, weren't we? Aye. Aye, that guy. <laughs> we got a nail that, that guy. But uh, Dick, Dick won the battle. He went in to see him. But they kept telling about the bottle and all that, but we had some big boys in the team, so it was only made sense to get them high was I saw him very good there. You get big Andy Smith, big Norrie, big Tatty, big Tozzy. Guys, you know he ain't the boy on the ground, the boys. They wouldn't thank you for that. <laughs> but aye, uh, it was a bit nasty then. All this stick, as you stick for long balls and all that. I wish they would play me them with a new. Yeah, we did get a lot of stick for that. Yeah. So what's your memories of the game at Tannadice? The Stuart Peatley goal? I remember Stuart's goal early on, I remember that and was, we kind of hung on to the end and got through some couple of near things to it. 
You got sent off then, didn't you? You got sent off, aye. You got sent off, that's right. Which, isn't it wasn't a sending off when you watch it back. No, never bloody is, Never is, but I can, oh, I can remember going on the park at the end, the, the, the noise from our fans. We Jim thought he was doing a fly trick by taking the, the supporters, our supporters, away from behind the goal and putting them on the stand. And it backfired because the noise coming by the stand just drowned out everything. It was fantastic support there. Oh, amazing day, eh? Amazing day. Uh, what? Tell him about the night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we come back, we, we went to, was it a player dance? Was it the Fod. The Fod dance. Oh, yeah. Up in Holbeath. Yeah. Well, I tell it. No, it was in the North. It was their player of the year dance, the Fod. Right. And he wasn't going to, oh, no, we'll go for just an hour because we've got a game. We've not won the league yet. Yeah. And at 12 o'clock, him and Dick and... Mark Miller dancing on tables saying <laughs> we are the past. Oh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant night, wasn't it? Uh, uh, you a wee bit drunk that night? I didn't take much nowadays. No. <laughs> no. no. Superb. And then the following week, Airdrie at home, who was, it was always a battle against Airdrie. Oh, they had a good okay. team, Airdrie. Oh. I remember the game, one of the games that Raymond Sharp was with then. And they had wee nipper, nipper, nipper. Lawrence. Nipper Lawrence. Aye. Was it Alan Lawrence? Yeah. Aye. Thank you. He's diving all the place, you see. And anyway, Sharp had clocked him. And uh, he clocked him twice, I think. Sharp had done something. And uh, I was shooting, carrying him off the streets, and I was shooting, and he got an eight ball wrong with him. And nothing wrong with him, look at him. And he's lying on the street, and next he's bare, bare. He look at his ankle. He had a band of um, a towel around his ankle. <laughs> it's covered in blood. And I'm turning, and nothing wrong with him, and I'm not even me. We all joke, carry it off. <laughs> Sharpie, no, I'm Sharpie, because they have one, I think. See, he's some bottles with Airdrie. We did it at St Johnson team, we were at St Johnson, it was the same. And uh, we're both going for the leagues, you see. It was a brilliant league that season, eh? It was so oh, competitive. Oh, no. There was about four five teams in it. And look at it now. In the title. Great memories against them because they were balls and a half. I mean we played the last game in the stadium, I think, and they were bloody wrecking it around about us before the game finished. Aye, at Broomfield, the old Broomfield. <laughs> and then they come back here. I remember them uh, Dick getting sent to the stand at Rodwood when we played them. <laughs> he always tell you that. They, they put them up the stand when they got sent off and they said there was flies and everything in front of them. <laughs> they had to take them up, put them up to one of the boxes. Take them up to <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's when Big Westy, we put Big Westy on outfield in the last so many minutes because of <laughs> the some, uh, oh, we had some battles with the Beastie Boys. So what was your memories of the, the game at 4th of May 96 when we, we eventually won the title that day? Did you feel a lot of pressure going into that game? No, no, I can't remind you, no. no. Obviously it would be, you know, you're some bag of nerves. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was mm -hmm. some talk, weren't we? Aye, and do you remember the goals in that, that game? We won 2-1. Mm -hmm. 
and in Mooney and in, in Mark. Mark, Mark aye. Bentley. Aye. Uh, that's just big Andy Smith, you know, the, the dogs have used to go for signing hymns. I know, you turned know, out a no bad signing, no way. They, 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 they says, what the hell are you doing with him? But uh, it worked out well, big man's got the goals. I was going to mention that, obviously, I said earlier, but your recruitment at Dunfermline was, was really good. Guys like Peter Moore, Toddy, uh, Evo, Mark Miller, tell them, Andy yeah, Smith, Duarte. Sergio Duarte. Well, we'll forget Sergio Duarte. Sergio Duarte, Greg Shaw, my two. <laughs> but we talk about all the good so I'm never allowed to forget them. Said, what about the other one? To be fair, Greg Shaw got a few goals, didn't he? Maybe not enough, but he got a few. Uh, <laughs> so what was your what was your uh, recruitment policy? Like you you said you and Dick would go and interview them, oh, or speak uh, to them, uh, eh? Get we, a feel for them. We obviously watch them, do you? know, we're always we're always out at games. Aye. You know, you have to do that to keep up the scratch. That's what I've seen. But but I'd been, uh, you know, you've got to do your homework to put them all. Like we flee, Bob McCulloch, boys like that. Aye, good, good players as well. You watch them games, you see them guys, you know, there's so many different ones. A new Mark Muller, a new Mark, new Stuart Petrie, you know, they were great signings for us, weren't they? Amazing. Toddy, what about Toddy? Toddy was a great servant uh, as well, yeah. Aye, uh, for we good peanuts for him. But all these guys, we didn't, well, the club never had money, like you said earlier, no, so. No, they didn't, they had to, had to scatter around. But, ah, uh, uh, it was a great, great time. But then the club, everything was changing, you know, it was, uh, there was that many stories going about, about different things. Going back before you left, we, we obviously get to the Premier Division. We have a brilliant season. We finish fifth, which was the club's uh, highest ever finish in the Premier Division. Uh, and then the following season, we go to Parkhead. We beat Celtic at Parkhead. Do you remember that one? Was that when they... Second they, game of the they season. They the flag. They raising the flag. Aye. Right? We beat them 2-1. Was that Big scored? Bingham and Hamish got the penalty. Hamish. Uh, Hamish was a great boy to hear, wasn't he? Another great servant, wasn't oh, he? Lovely guy. Fabulous. I remember getting on him for no diving in the box. I felt so embarrassed afterwards because Hamish, you shouldn't talk to Hamish like that. You know, he's the wrong boy. He's such a gentleman as well, Hamish, isn't he? Uh, oh, I know. All the names I, I mentioned, all your signings, is there one you could pick out to say he, undoubtedly he was my best signing? Did you pick one? I, I don't like doing that, but so I, I would say the best sign I made was Sammy the Tammy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick the winner. Ah, you were there for the first season of Sammy, weren't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it was me who picked the winner. It was, it was uh, Christine. It was Christine, Christine yeah. Christine Barrett. Yeah. It was the idea. And uh, I think it was her kid that was, won it, didn't it? I'm not sure who won it. Ah, yeah. It was the young pars at the time, I think, had done the competition, eh? Oh, ah. I think it was Kirsty, wasn't it? Her uh, daughter. Was uh, it? Kirsty, Kirsty, it was yeah. Sammy and Tammy, yeah. Hey, that's something to put in your CV, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep all the boys happy. <laughs> <laughs> what player caused you the most hassle during your time at the film as a manager? Oh, Mark Muller. 
had a feeling you were going to say that. Is there any stories you could tell us about Mark? Mark, Mark was uh, they called him. What was it they called him? That was uh, Taz. Tasmanian Devil. And uh, he had that side telling you no Mark, he had a bit spark about him <laughs> at times. I mean, he was wanting to fight with Andy Smith, that's how, how much he, he goes at times. Uh, uh, he, was, he, was, he was a very talented player, Mark. Uh, he, he never stops to apologise to me. Mm-hmm. Every time I see him, he apologises for the way he behaved and that. He's another one we've managed to get back involved, isn't he? And he comes up from Newcastle and I know. He loves coming back to Dunfermline. Uh, now. Oh, I think he was another one that just went he disappeared for a long time. He did. So it's good did. to get him back. Aye. Uh, uh, good 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 player, Mark. Very very good player, wasn't he? Uh, it, was, it was a great dress room you, you and Dick created there, eh? Well you hate, you hate that harmony, you know, you hate, hate that feeling that they're all pulling the same way. You know. And that's something that's it's all the years I've been at them filming it's it's been like that. No, because you said obviously earlier it's so important during the sixties. Oh, the sixties it was. I mean, if you go back and see the the cup record in the sixties, it was it's amazing. You know, amazing. But then they won two cups. They were in they were in three finals, three at Anoy, and that was the sixty one, the sixty eight, and the sixty five. Yeah. And there's countless semi-finals and, and quarter-finals. And quarter-finals. Yeah. They were, they were a hard team to beat today, you know, because they were, they were some tough characters today. You know, and Roy, Roy developed into a centre-half. He was a midfield player, developed a centre-half, and he was, he was very good at it. He used to run, <laughs> say, to, say to me, Bert, if I went, when I win the ball, he says, come on, and take it away from me. He says, because I'll give them it back. He says, I'll run it the way and just leave it for you. Superb. So, and he knew what he was good at. So that was a great thing in the player, wasn't it? That was, aye. No strengths. Aye, he just knew it. And then he had his, his foil for him was Jim Fraser. Jim Fraser was a great foil for Roy because Jim was intelligent, reading it all the time, you know. Very t- he used to always try and nip in and beat, beat you to the ball, you know. And... Uh, we used to play in games and uh, maybe he would be against me and all that and it would be watch me and I would go like that and he would jump in and say, well, you effing stop playing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to try and beat me. <laughs> but he was a great player too, Jim. He had an early death too. Aye, he did, aye. Did he not retire quite young as well because of injury? Jim Fraser. He might have done. I think he, I think he had a bad injury at one point. I can't imagine See, going back to your time at Dunfermline with Dick as manager, a big part of that was scoring goals. You were all for attacking football. What What was your mindset behind that? Was that from your playing days? Let them play. So we didn't let them play. We, we picked them because they're good players. We let them go and play. You know, but obviously we had, we had a team formation. But... A lot of them were suited to the positions they were playing, you know, you, if you can get that. You, know. you were a manager who, you liked your wingers, didn't you? And you liked a, a big guy up front and maybe with a smaller striker. Aye, and that's the ideal, ideal that you wanted. Aye. You weren't well, the type of manager who would change either, would you? You always wanted to play attacking and score goals. Didn't but, they matter uh, in the opposition, did it? Some of the, some of the 
One or two of the, the best games I've played was long ball game. I remember going behind Aberdeen one nothing at home and they just threw everybody up the park and cried away. What an atmosphere it created. They come back and get a draw. Mm-hmm. We were all over them, we were hanging on like hell. And that was just go and play, go and play. If we're doing, we're going to attack them even more. But you just let them play. I mean, you want your wingers to go past their fallbacks. And you see the wingers now, they go up to the fallback and then they go away. There's no such thing as a winger now in football. Yeah? It's no, attacking no. fullbacks and It's crazy. And the fullbacks now going into the midfield and playing, what the hell was that about? I said, you do all that in the end of the game anyway, any game. It's totally yeah. changed. What's your thoughts on football nowadays when you watch it? Uh, the noise bass, all the play acting and all that. I hate all that side of it. A lot of good players, but they're spoiled nowadays. I think the young boys are getting too much too soon. Publicity, money, you see they carry on with some of them. But uh, it's not the same. I, I'm, I'm happy if they played in the 60s. Oh, I think that was the best football. That was a good decade, wasn't it? it? Was especially in Scottish football as well. Especially for Dunfermline at that time. I mean, I don't, I don't see them ever repeating that. 6th of January 99, you decide to step down as, as the manager. You kind of touched on it earlier. What what was your thinking behind that? Just, just uh, I think one of the big things was was a family thing when you're, you're, you're sitting at a dining table with them and you don't know they're there. You know, you're not, you're not there, you're away, thinking mm-hmm. about uh, getting to sleep at night and tossing and turning and all that kind of carry on. As um, Joyce always says, is try to make you a salt pursuit a big deal. Put a lot of pressure. I couldn't, I couldn't go to, into the infirmary and shop or anything like that. Not because they were getting abused, but just people stop me and want to talk about the game. You couldn't switch off, eh? Be twenty four seven that, that yeah. job. Got to him, you know. He didn't just Every come manager. away from a game, and that was it. It really, it got to him, didn't it? Oh, His definitely. health was suffering, so we sort of made him. We said it was time to go. Yeah. Because they weren't going to up the budget. Well, they would, they would see it more than anybody. You know, just the pressures because there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. I'd say. You think that's because it was your club? As well, probably. Uh, probably. I'm, yeah. I'm local. I can't escape it. Chucky Scott's away there. Ian Monroe's away there. You know, when it's yours, yeah, you, you feel it. You can't get away from it. Yeah, you can't switch off. Eh? No. How would you reflect back on your time as manager at Dunfermline? It was enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Worked with great people. And the chairman was very good for us. He knew he would help us if we could. And so we got on really well with them. Didn't interfere in anything, but it was really enjoyable. I mean, working with Dick, we, we had a laugh a minute, you know. Uh, so it was enjoyable working with him, working with the players that we brought in, learning the game the two years. Great times, great times. But there's no times like playing. You still miss playing even oh, when you are well, the manager. In, in my day, in the 60s, you were, they reckoned their best days was from 28 to 32. You've got all the experiences and you know exactly what's happening. And I was denied that from 27 onwards. So where would they ended up if they kept scoring goals like that? Somebody would have come in. Because it's, 
it's uh, at that time it was uh, you know scoring for Flynn, you know with Fergie and with Jim Fleming, we Shuey, we Mickey, Paddy Wilson was came into that team. We Paddy Paddy got a raw deal then. Yeah, he went to Aberdeen, didn't he? Paddy uh-huh. done well up in Aberdeen. Ah, he did. Yes. But I think he was so dedicated because he didn't smoke, he didn't drink, he yeah. didn't party. He didn't he go out. for training. Went for and food, it all cut short at 27 was yeah. just so tragic. I don't think people or supporters would realise you were finished as a player at 27. Yeah. No. It's so and young. He was playing better than he'd ever played. Oh, I mean, that's, it, that's your best years, really. Yeah. yeah. Just to come and deny them. Yeah. So yeah, it's really... Horrible. You regret that, you regret where you could have gone to, you know. What were you most proudest of during your career? Just the amount of friends I made in the game, really. Helped a lot of boys, I hope. So it was so good. I think what you came from, that, you know, he didn't have everything put on a plate. Because Politics. there was one game he was picked for a, to play for a... Who you picked to play for it? He didn't go because you didn't have football boots. That was uh, Dunfermline schools. And he didn't go, and the boy came out for him and brought him a pair of boots so he could play. So mm. coming from that, you know, and to what you had achieved, a childhood, but a hard one. Yeah. Aye. And making what he did, and being able to face the press and speak to them, it's a big thing after yeah. the game when you've mm-hmm. you come from the background he came from. I wasn't keen on that side yet. Uh, Did you receive training? Like yeah. Nowadays players get media training, for example. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. have had I any I think that. that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I think yes. that's because you see some of them on the telly, they're mumbling, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I just see why don't they go and you've got plenty of money and you go and get somebody to, so as you can project yourself to which I did the day. I did the day. Well, how do you think you would have fared playing football today? Oh, that God. you'd have done all right? Oh, I think so. I think so. I think it's hard to compare them, but with the training facilities they've got now and the rest they're getting and all the tension that they get nowadays, it's a faster game, I would say that. It's faster, but I don't see it's better. Yeah, when you look at the state of the pitches now, it's like bowling greens. You guys would have played on mud. <laughs> and what about as a manager? Do you think you'd have enjoyed managing in the game today? No, no, I don't think so. I don't Not with social so. media, I think, you know, because the oh, way it's ten times worse now. Horrendous. That side of the game now, Jesus. You're getting criticised from everywhere nowadays, aren't you? Oh, look it's so personal it's now, isn't it? The yeah. moon and Saturday there. At the end of the game. Aye. Boo like hell. So how would you sum up your career in football, Bert? Football player? Both. Football and a manager. Well, as a player, I was, uh, what's the word? Unfulfilled, wasn't it? Unfulfilled, definitely unfulfilled. Yeah. Probably yeah. as a manager too, when I think about it. Anymore. I know you've collected memorabilia over the years. What would you say is your most treasured possession? If you could pick one thing. Probably my winner's medal. Good choice. And final question. What would you say you learn most about yourself from being involved in football? You'll probably tell you better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he proved to himself that he could do it, I think. Aye, that was a big thing. You know, he could be a manager and speak, handle the press, yeah. although he didn't like it. and The press weren't particularly fun to him, but... 
from True. coming from yeah. a big family in Valleyfield and yeah. achieving what you achieved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the biggest regret was finishing my career with broken legs. And the funny thing was, I was playing well that night and I scored the goal. And uh, the boy came from behind to get me and it was about a wet night. So we had long studs in. Mm-hmm. And he hit that leg as it was. And uh, when I went in, I was lying on the table when he came in at full time or half time. And uh, Roy came, You'll never guess who it was, mate. I said, Oh, who was it? He says, Alan Gordon. Uh, he's been done the United Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was Alan Gordon. And I honestly believe that that affected that boy's life. Because he came to the hospital to see me and to, to apologise and everything. Aye, aye. He wasn't that kind of boy. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest in this episode of Walking Down the Hobbyth Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokiewicz and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former part in the next episode.